0: Welcome to this episode of Bob Cooney's VR Deep Dive Podcast. In this series, Bob connects you with some of the leading innovators and thinkers in location-based VR. Hi everyone, it is Bob again. So I want to talk a little bit about this webinar. So I had somebody lined up for this and they unfortunately had to drop off and Rather than scramble for somebody new i 've just been getting a lot of questions via email and stuff and thought it would be a good opportunity to do some Q and A and just answer questions from the audience and you know and if it winds up being a shorter webinar, then we all get a little bit of our time back and One of the things that i 'm going to start with um, a couple of conversations I've actually had today with people on the phone, and I talked to an operator today out of the East Coast and he's got a family entertainment center, and he 's thinking about doing VR and and who isn't, I guess, at this point, point? and it was really interesting because, you know, he was really struggling with how to figure out what to buy, like not figuring out what to buy. That's the next problem. How do you figure out what to buy as an operator? What's the framework that you need to evaluate to be able to make these decisions? And and I was just talking to Aaron Polka from Two Bit Circus, who's going to be on a panel, at Amusement Expo, and one of the things we actually were talking about was, cause he looks at everything, and I think 2Bit Circus has this really broad array of VR attractions. Like they've got Hollowgate, and they have Vive booths, and they have some sit down like tank simulators based on the old Battlezone arcade game, and they have the Raft, and then they have the Ubisoft Triotech little maze, the Rabbids maze that also has Assassin's Creed in it. They've got modal. So they have all of these different VR attractions and some classic arcade games and stuff like that too. And, and some of the questions that he threw out were, why are people coming to your facility? So if you're trying to figure this out, whether you're on the solution provider side or the operator side, these are questions you need to figure out how to answer. If you're on the solution provider side, who's your audience? Who is your primary audience? And don't say everybody, because if you try to be Something to everyone, you wind up being nothing to anyone. And so who's your primary target audience? How are you going to reach them? What's the benefit of your solution to them? And that's going to help the operator, who hopefully is going through the same consideration process who's my primary audience? Why are they coming from? And some of the questions Aaron asked was you know, are they coming in groups? Are they coming on their own? Are they looking to meet people? And you know, two-bit circus obviously is all about kind of curating a social experience where they force people to play together even if you don't want to. And that's very intentional. That's part of their brand is creating these social experiences. And Greenlight Research has shown in their research that that's what people want out of VR. They want social experience. So if you're building a solution, start with the consumer. And if you're buying a solution, start with the consumer. And how much do you really know about them? And I'm working on a framework on how to ask questions of customers. Actually, I'm not working on it at all. My partner, Kylie Savage, is working on it. So we're collaborating on it. I'll take uh, credit for it. She'll do all the work. I'll share that on my mentoring group when it's done, because it's a really good way of getting to the bottom of some of these real issues around customers. So maybe we'll even do a deep dive on how to ask questions, because I think that's an important one. So Gabe, day, hours, corporate training, education. What does that mean? Make sure when you're asking questions, give me some context about the question because I can't read your mind and I don't like to make assumptions. So I will talk a little bit about corporate training. So Cheryl Bindle Glass, Bindle Grass, Bindle, Cheryl Golf. We all know her by Cheryl Golf. Nobody knows her fucking last name. And if you go to her website, CherylGolf.com, S H E R Y L, you will see her, and she is the preeminent expert on how to run a party or event-based business in location-based entertainment. She's going to be coming to Amusement Expo. She's going to be doing a session around this because it's the one of the top questions I get. But I think and corporate events and education are two pillars of location-based VR. And you need to have four pillars. This is what's emerging from companies that are being successful. You need to have your walk-up business, which is your entertainment business Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You need to have a birthday party business or a party business, birthday parties tends to skew really young, but some kind of a party business, you need to have a corporate business and you need to have an education business. And if you can run those four revenue streams, you can actually run a profitable VR attraction. Now, how do you do that devils in the details and it's a lot of work and I have some go-to people in each of those segments. Bill Tustin is kind of my go-to guy on education. He operates Center Tech in Philadelphia. He'll be out at Amusement Expo. As well, Steve Grubbs is another guy you should follow online with Victory VR. And he's doing a lot of stuff around education and creating education apps for virtual reality. And literally what Bill does, which is amazing, is he takes his VR kit, like he takes a bunch of cardboard, VR cardboard cheap ones, and he brings them out to the schools. And the schools pay him thousands of dollars to come out and run these STEAM and STEM education programs using just content off of Google, right? And then he gives the kids bounce-back coupons to come play at the arcade. And then he sees the kids back there that weekend or that next week with their parents playing. And so he's created a revenue stream around education, which has made him part of the community, which elevates his brand. And then he's taken that and using that as a bounce-back opportunity to come back and sell them arcade games on the weekends, which is amazing. So he's got a really good business model. And his business is called Center Tech, uh, C-E-N-T-E-R-T-E-C, and you should check him out. And then on the corporate side, I think the guys that I know of that are doing the best work are the guys at MindTrack really are doing, I, should, I don't know if it's the best work, but they're doing a lot of corporate events, the, v, the zero latency guys, which is really interesting because one of the challenges that they have, and this comes to being under attraction. So some of the freestanding VR sites, like The Void, like nomadic like dreamscape like zero latency where they built these kind of single attraction destination facilities what they're finding is the market for corporate events is really limited because they don't have the throughput to be able to handle big companies because big companies might want to do a group of 50 or 100 or 200 and if you can only put 8 people through at a time it's hard to get a group of 100 right and so what they're doing is mindtrack in boston added a play vr four player unit and they've added an esports, a 12-player esports console. And so now they've got enough stuff to keep a bigger group busy. And they have two ZL arena, so they can do 16 people there. So now they can do groups of 100 or 150 people and move them through and keep them doing stuff. And so I think having a number of attractions available to be able to handle throughput is really critical if you're going to do corporate business. And there's a lot of interest there. Molly asks, does that license Excel sheet that you shared a few weeks ago have some of the info that you're talking about? I think that license spreadsheet is more about what's available in both the arcade market for direct license and the free roam market. And the reason I posted it mostly was because, yeah, so this is the other thing that I'm getting a lot of is people want to buy Vives and backpacks or wireless. And unfortunately, Vive Wireless is still only three channels. I did reach out to the Intel product manager for Vive Wireless today, their 5G product manager, and asked him for some details around whether or not they're going to open up a fourth channel this year, and if so, will it be a firmware upgrade or are they going to have to do a hardware upgrade? So hopefully I'll get that information off to you guys in the Facebook group. But that site was all about companies that have free roam, that page, that Google Doc was all about, um, I'll pull it up again and share it with the group here if I can find it. And Molly, if you have it, if you can just drop me a quick email at VRBob at BobCooney.com with a link to it so I'm not distracting myself searching on Google while well, I can share that with the group again. It has about 20 companies on there that are doing like free roam games that are for license on Steam. And so what operators really want is the ability to buy their own hardware, put up a 10 by 10 meter or 1,000 square foot or 400 square foot or whatever, and have a whole bunch of games that are available. And um, I'm working really hard on trying to help that. So I was talking to Yuri, who's the CEO of NeuroGaming last night. And they have their PlayVR platform is really powerful. And what those guys are doing is they're building what they're calling VR parks. So they have a polygon, which is their 10 meter by 10 meter, 1,000 square foot. Six player esports competitive PvP platform. And then they have the PlayVR product, which Exit Reality is selling in their X Arc, which is kind of like a Hollow Gate like. 17 by 17, four player tethered VR, and they have a world of tanks and revolver, and about 15 or 20 other games. But behind that, they've got this really amazing platform for location management it does leagues, tournaments, CRM, booking system. It's really, really well developed. It's one of the best that I've seen. I'd say it's on par with the zero latency platform, if not even more developed in some ways. And so, I think there's an opportunity, and this is what I talked to him about, of getting that platform extended from hardware and experience and licensing it out to operators who want to just buy their own shit and run their own shit and have an open platform that they can buy and license any game that's on Steam, but have a front-end system that runs it for free roam. Because you can do that with Synthesis and with Springboard and even Private Label if they're still licensing, but none of those guys really support um, free roam and support a business model there. Anyway, that's kind of my two cents around that spreadsheet. So Mark Weiss is asking, Chaos Jump, uh, any inside information? I think we got all that last week. I think that, you know, I'm going to be interested in what you learn, Mark, you know, from operating that. And I really think that the, and I assume, George, you're talking about the smaller footprint around Chaos Jump. Yeah. No, you're tethered and the game really like that's the thing with all of these vr games even the ones in the big 10 by 10 cubes and hollow you're not actually moving around much in that space it's really more of you're standing and you're spinning in 360 degrees and so i feel like a lot of those bigger spaces are wasted i would say that the revolver game in the exit reality version of play vr actually does utilize a lot of that space because you're moving and there's like lots of dodging and weaving But I think the Chaos Jump game was designed for that small space, and I've never seen any issues with people colliding. And, Mark, I'll be really interested to learn what your insights are, like, after you get it installed. Like, reach out to me and let me know what kind of of numbers you are seeing, And especially around replay, like, if there's a way you can track the replay, because their thing is they've built a game that has inherent replay value, 400-some-odd level combinations, etc., etc., And I think I'm waiting for the market to validate that. Is that actually happening? And this is something I just talked to Jan from Virtuix, actually. And one of the things we talked about is what have you learned with having a million people play your product? And one of the things that he said was, ah, you don't need a lot of games. Like most of the gameplay comes from a couple of games. And so I know that Mario will disagree with me because he's in a mall. And I think malls possibly have, like different locations have different dynamics. And I could see where in a mall, you know, the multiple titles might be good because you got the same people coming back every single week. Where in an FEC, they might only be coming back three or four times a year. But anyway, that was one of the interesting learnings. So, and George, Mark Howard's wondering if you're putting card system on the Chaos Jump. And I'd be curious as to which one, if you are. Um, Global Game Jam. What is that, Sean? I'm curious. Is that an eSports tournament, or am I just out of the loop? Oh, game making jam. Is that a, so it's like a hackathon or something? That's really interesting. They just had the MIT VR hackathon, by the way, this last weekend. I was invited to judge it, but I couldn't make it. can only be in so many places at one time. So what are the burning questions do you guys have? I actually got one via email that I'm going to pull up. From Andy DeCaney actually said, in the larger free room type VR centers off peak, there's a lot of unused space and technology. Are there any good examples of operators that have successfully expanded to include secondary non-amusement activities, e.g. art VR experiences without alienating their primary customer? I think that if anything, it's been the other way around where I know people have put VR experiences inside other multi attraction spaces, where they use it for corporate events and meeting rooms and stuff like that, where there's a lot of downtime in that space. So how do you utilize that space during the 95% of the time when your corporate event space isn't being utilized or something like that? I think the education stuff was an earlier example that I gave on that. And I really recommend following Bill Tustin and Steve Grubbs online or connect to them through my uh, the VR mentoring group, which I'll put a link to up in case you just don't have that. And those guys are active on that space and then yeah look i know somebody who's doing meditation classes actually in a vr arcade which i think is really interesting so she's opened up at nine o'clock in the morning and she's doing meditation classes for moms after they drop their kids off to school and there's candles and green tea and she got a meditation app off of steam and there's two hours during the day where she's open and she's got traffic that she normally wouldn't get now you know really depends on the type of location that you're in if you're in a dedicated location you can do that if you're in a family entertainment center i think it's a lot harder to pull that off that's the end of part 1 of this interview please join us for parts 2 and 3 shortly